This episode contains spoilers for Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills. You have been warned. Welcome to Maidens of Metal and Mayhem, a podcast about all things metal, horror, with a dash of mayhem. So this week we thought it would be interesting um, to kind of pair with our previous episode talking about hair and glam metal. We talk about another um, quintessential part of media in the horror genre for the 80s, and that's slashers. Yes, slashers is definitely one of my favorites. They were a plethora in the 80s. You could have anything and put massacre at the end of it, and it was a slasher. But the one that we really want to start off with is Halloween because we both just watched Halloween Kills and we love it. It was so good. It was worth the wait. Totally worth the wait. I loved it. I know a lot of people are a little upset because it's a little too gory. I was down with the gore. I thought it was cool. I was okay with it. Definitely more gorier than the previous movies. Halloween the first one doesn't really have a ton of gore in it um and that does make it a little special because at least it does leave a little bit to that you need to imagine two which i believe they are taking completely out of the new franchise which does make me a little sad because i do feel like one and two are the same movie because it is the same night and of course three has nothing to do with michael myers we're not considering that in the slasher I do like it, but I don't consider it a slasher at all. And then, you know, you have four, five, I believe six. There's there's a lot of them, guys. There's a lot of uh, Halloween. Um, I do like H2O. I thought it was it was great for the 20-year anniversary, although it's I don't believe that's canon anymore. Oh, no. I don't think that was canon the moment it hit theaters. <laughs> I'm going to say that's a spicy take saying you like H2O. (laughs) I do. I like H2O. Well, for me, it was like um, it was like the 20 year anniversary and I was, you know, pretty young at the time. And um, I like the fact that Laurie Strode was in it, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that Jamie Lee Curtis made a comeback to it. The only the main ones I do not like are Rob Zombie's take on the Halloween movies. I don't like them. I I tried. I gave them both a go. I understand where he was going with it. Not not my Halloween movie. Um, and I'm sure people do like them, but no. I can't blend too much of that. I haven't seen them because I am. There's so many Halloween options. Um, but I know for you personally, I know you're not a huge fan of like Rob Zombie's like movies and his for his um kind of like director style in general i know yeah i'm not i'm not a big fan i do love his music and i like that he takes a lot of the older movies like the black and white movies and mix that into his music so i understand why he is a um uh, horror genre director i just don't like um hey that's fine they're you know they're not my they're not my forte although i have not seen three from hell i should probably give it a go give it a whirl 
see if I like it. House of a Thousand Corpses. I liked it up until they went into the underground. I thought that was weird. Made like it was like an offshoot. Like, hey, we're gonna, you know, put in this creepy demon underground and that's gonna be the end. <laughs> I thought that one was more it was interesting. I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but it was it was a fun watch. Yeah, I mean that they, they, they had some good kills in it. But as far as the Halloween movies, no, I, I do not count them at all. Well, neither does the current franchise, so we're all set. <laughs> yeah, so we're good. But the um, Halloween and Halloween Kills, I love. I was a little concerned because in 1 and 2, they make it so that Laurie Strode is the reason why he's after her is because she is the little sister of Michael Myers. And she was just a baby when Judith Myers was murdered. But in the new Halloween and Halloween Kills, they are foregoing that altogether. I don't mind it. I like where they're going with it. I like that they had the doctor be the reason why he was after her to begin with. It wasn't Michael Myers' obsession. It was the doctor's. We've discussed this before. And um, I, I do like the direction that they're going with it. It's so well done that I can forgive the fact that it's not going along with the original story. Yeah, and I I really like how, you know, we're still getting Jamie Lee Curtis as our badass final girl, whether she wants it or not. <laughs> like, I absolutely love that. And I just, I think overall it was, I would say definitely a lot more gory than the original um, Halloween. But it was done in a way that made sense. Especially with um, special effects and CGI these days, you can kind of get the more kind of gory kills that we got from Halloween Kills without it kind of being over the top or like too much. Because I'm definitely of the belief that gore is great to have in horror if it makes sense. But the moment you kind of cross the line and just make it just copious amounts of gore and just like pools and buckets of blood for no reason, that's where I kind of lose interest because... Then it just kind of gets gross and I'm kind of over it. So I think Halloween Kills did a great job of being really pretty gory at some points, like really gory, but doing it in a way that worked with the story and didn't feel like it was being like too over the top. I felt like it was more gory because Michael Myers was pissed off because he was almost burned to death. Uh, so I think he's particularly angry <laughs> in this movie. And also I feel like the the kills were very artistic um, and fun, actually. You know, um, so I was okay with it uh, being uh, gory. But then you have like uh, films like Hatchet, which that's gore upon gore upon gore. But I I love Hatchet. That some of the kill scenes, I'm like, oh my god, that's very it's very gory. It's probably one of the more gory slasher movies, in my opinion, with a comedic flair. Yeah, and I will say, I think that's kind of the appeal of the slasher film in the genre in general. Is it's you know these horrible like gory deaths, but. At the same time, you know, it's really interesting. Some of them are really artistically shot or choreographed. And for me, I'm a huge, like, special effects buff. I love knowing 
you know, how they've made these effects happen and like seeing the behind the scenes stuff. So for me, it's interesting to like see it executed on the stage and then reading up to see like how they did that, if it was like practical effects or not, I think is really interesting. And I feel like overall slasher movies can be really fun, especially when directors and writers kind of go past the typical a man with a with a knife or a hatchet is mowing down the sorority girls that decided to go camping this weekend in the woods. Not that those are not fun too, but I really enjoy the ones where they take that concept and they bring it up a notch or put an f- interesting twist on them. I like I like both. I like the ones where there's just no reason. It's just, you know, happening. Like Friday the 13th. I recently watched the entire series. Well, not the entire, but up until Friday the 13th, the 6th. And it's basically the same night, but he keeps going, you know, further and further and further um, down in the woods and he keeps killing people. Friday the 13th has some of my most favorite kills ever, ever. I think probably one of my favorite is uh, the sleeping bag kill where the guy's in the sleeping bag and he just takes it and whams him right up against the tree. Yeah, that's that's a fun kill. Definitely, probably the, and I think we both agree on this, is that the very first slasher film was Black Christmas, also known as Stranger in the House. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's, I think there's like some people that debate it, but I don't think there's like a ton of debate over whether that's the first one or not. Um, I think just date-wise, it, even if it wasn't pro- like started production before like any of the other ones in the era, that was definitely the first one I think released in like the classic slasher kind of theme, you know. Right. I I love I do love that movie. Again, I don't like the remake. It's terrible. But I mean, they have slasher movies also for for every holiday. Oh yeah, literally every holiday at this point. <laughs> they have Friday the Fourteenth, Mother's Day. Silent Night, Deadly Night. There, I mean, there's there's so many that are about different holidays, and I and um, I love them because they're corny. <laughs> there's Happy Birthday to Me. I mean, Leprechaun. Basically, a, basically a slasher. That one's super corny. <laughs> that one's very very corny. It has some great lines in it, uh, one liners. It's definitely, I would say, on par with, like, slasher slash dark comedy, like horror comedy. Yes. I would say even on par with, um, like, Evil Dead, because that one, it's kind of a slasher, um, definitely, like, supernatural horror, too. I would say, like, a combination of the two, because, you know, you have the entity that the book kind of, that they brought in from the book and summoned from the book coming and killing Ash, or trying to kill Ash and killing all of his friends and girlfriend. I don't know. I think that one, again, kind of fits into whether Sam Raimi meant it or not to be kind of like a dark comedy slash slasher. Yes. And, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, also um, a great franchise. That's also comedic, too. I mean, one of my favorite uh, one-liners is Welcome to Primetime, Bitch. And he takes the girl and smashes her head into the TV and she dies. But what I do like about Nightmare on Elm Street is that they have many 
final girls and a couple of them link to the original. So my favorite is number one with um, Heather Langenkamp, um, who plays Nancy, and she comes back in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 with Patricia Arquette, who plays Kristen Parker. And I love how they brought Nancy into that movie. And then they have uh, Nancy come back to reprise her role in Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which is also fantastic. I love uh, those uh, movies in particular. I know um, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 has gets a lot, a lot of slack um, for, uh, for being called the gayest horror movie ever made. And yes, there is a lot of gay overtones in it. But you know what, people? That's okay. It's okay to have a gay character. And I think people are starting to understand that now. Uh, this the, the actor got so much uh, hate when it was released. They just tortured the movie um, because, of, because of that. Um, now looking back, I think that's kind of a shame. I think it does have its uh, good qualities. I think we should embrace um, that character. I think he's wonderful. So, um, but yeah, uh, you know, that got that got a lot of uh, slack and then they went into three. Uh, you know, you got you got Candyman, which I think is great. They're redoing it. I'm actually really excited about the remake. Didn't the remake come out already? It might have. I haven't seen it yet. I think it I have not either. I know um I know Ave is really excited. Our producer Ave is very excited to see it. It's when it whatever we can figure out where it is. <laughs> yes. I would say out of all the slashers, Candyman to me is based on a very serious subject, which is racism. That that's to me is definitely a more serious movie. At the time it wasn't. But now with everything that's going on, I do consider it. Um, I think I think we should all watch it. Um, it's a very good movie. And it's one of the few movies with a, a, a black star in the slasher genre. True. It's definitely a very saturated with like white actors primarily when you look at slasher. I mean, a lot of horror, like classic horror, I would say, is generally oversaturated with like white main actors at least yes white main actors and uh white final girls Mm-hmm. for sure i mean it i feel like slashers and like the classic like 80 slashers are where kind of the stereotypes of you know you know the black best friend is going to be one of the first people dead the stoner is going to be one of the next people dead like the cheerleader is going to come shortly after like i feel like there was a formula to a lot of these and when I really enjoy the ones that kind of take that formula and twist it, like some of my 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 absolute favorite slasher franchise has to be Scream. I absolutely adore Scream. And again, it's the interesting combo of these really brutal ways of watching people get killed by the serial killer. At the same time, there is also so many good one-liners and jokes and comedic breaks to kind of break up those parts. Which I think is why slashers 
so many people like slashers and why slashers are still so popular is because it's a great kind of mixture of both really brutal, like gory horror death scenes and then these really funny bits to kind of break up the tension. Yes. And with Scream, they brought light the um, the typical horror movie. Uh, you know, they're like, they discuss it in the movie. Like, oh, you're going to be next because you're, you know, you're not a virgin. You've had sex. It's the most meta slasher movie slash horror movie like ever. And I love it. Yes. The nerd in the movie, he survives. He said he thinks he survives because he's a virgin. But <laughs> but you know, at the end, Sydney is not a virgin, but she still wins. That's because she's the ultimate she's the ultimate final girl. You cannot kill Sydney. No one can. You cannot kill Sydney. Death can't come for Sydney. And I hope, I, I hope they do not kill off her character in the new one. I don't think they would. I don't hope not. I hope they don't because she's one of my favorites, Sydney Prescott. You got Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Laurie Strode from Halloween. Like these are like to me like the ultimate final girls. They um they they all they have to survive no matter what. I did like what they did with the original uh with Friday the Thirteenth when they did the second movie they they spoiler everybody they do end up killing the final girl in the second one and they move on to a different final girl i don't know how he gets to her apartment to kill her but he does <laughs> i'm just just i'm just suspending all belief here because in, in my knowledge of friday the 13th he is just going up the river and killing people I don't think she's near that river, so. I will say, I think the really interesting thing with Friday the 13th is, and I think it's also a similar conversation you can have with Halloween, is at what point are the killers human? And at what point do they possibly become something otherworldly and supernatural? Yes. Because there are just some some things that just, like, you, you can kind of suspend your disbelief for certain things. But at the end of the day, I think what's really interesting specifically about Friday the 13th and Halloween is kind of that debate on whether or not both of the killers um, are human or not at the end of the day. Like, are they actually flesh and blood people or are they something different? Like, something otherworldly and that's how they're able to get away with all of this stuff. Yeah, because, I mean, every movie they get killed, right? And they always come back. They get killed or they get the absolute shit kicked out of them. And they come right back. So there must be a level of that they're supernatural or that they are stronger than normal human because there's no human being that could survive that, you know, what happens to them. I do think, though, that Michael Myers is pure evil. But does that mean that he's not like a flesh and blood person anymore and he's like something different? That's. The fun, interest, like, not the fun, the interesting debate that I think a lot of fans have, because if you watch a lot of the movies, it's like, he keeps dying, or he's in places where he should be dead, but he's back. He survived. He's back every time. It does not matter what you do to him. Although, you know, in the Halloween and Halloween Kills, they they do make it believable how he got out. 
you know, he didn't just burn up and, you know, came back to life. So we'll see what they do with Michael Myers. And if they make him just pure evil insanity or is he superhuman? I do think, though, that the uh, Friday the 13th series has kind of made tried to make him more of a supernatural character. Yeah, I don't know if they've explicitly come out and been like, yes, definitely something supernatural. I think it's more heavily implied. I'm also, I will say, not an expert on Friday the 13th. I've seen, um, I think, like, the first and second one. So, by no means an expert. <laughs> because in one of the movies, um, I believe it's Resurrection, they're, they, they basically... He's dead. He's in the grave. It's been years since anything has happened. This is after the series of murders that go on the, on the same day. And they basically use the... It's kind of silly. They use um, the rain and the um, lightning to bring him back to life. Mm-hmm. So in that movie he i would consider him supernatural because he's dead 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 and they you know they bring him back to life but i don't know if they're gonna do any more friday the 13th movies they might they might um especially since halloween has done so well they might uh reimagine it i think that would be really fun actually i think that would be really interesting to see how they do it or if they try to do something similar with Halloween where they take like the first movie and then they do something else and like try to redo some of the movies or like start from like one point and then kind of go from there. I know the fans are trying to get Robert England to reprise his role as Freddy Krueger. I don't I think that'd be really cool and I do like how that happened in Halloween Mm -hmm. but I don't know if he will because he is he's a very old man. And the thing is, I get that he's like a like an older man, but he looks good for his age. And the makeup itself, he's a he's a burn victim. I mean, you could get away with him looking older, in my opinion. I I mean, it's not necessarily that he looks older. I think it's more like how much of the stunts could he actually do? Because I think the hallmark again of like a good slasher, like a classic slasher is the killer gets the shit kicked out of them throughout the whole movie. I mean, that's even the bit in Scream. It's the bit in Scary Movie. Like, the killer is going to get their head rocked at least a couple times. And I don't know if he could handle that at this age. Yeah, I don't know. I know he's, from my understanding, I don't think he's interested. But the fans really, really, really want him to reprise his role. Because they're, I mean, they tried with a very great actor to do, um, to remake uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. And it just didn't, it wasn't right. It wasn't Robert England. It wasn't, it wasn't campy. It was very serious. Great actor, just, but it, I don't think he was right for the role. It just has to be Robert England or nothing. And I will say, I think with Nightmare on Elm Street specifically, it, the charm of the original movies is the camp mixed with the gore, mixed with just, like, the kind of crazy premise of the whole movie in general. The fact that it's a killer that finds you through your dreams is insane. And so that, like, level of camp that comes with it, I think, is really helpful to, like, 
really suspend your disbelief and really get you into the movie because you're like, well, this is really campy and kind of hokey. And then you get into it and you stop noticing all of those things or it's just an extra layer of like interest or kind of fun on top of it to kind of break up the more like serious bits. Yeah, they they definitely will have to, if they do reprise it without Robert England, they're going to have to really search hard for somebody to, to fit that role. The one, going back to Halloween, the one of the things that I did love about Halloween Kills is that they do pay homage to um, Halloween 3, which has nothing to do with Michael Myers, where the kids that are murdered in the park they have on the masks from the movie Halloween 3 um, which is the witch the skeleton and the pumpkin I thought that was a great like I was like yay I was so excited I was like I know what that is if you have not seen 3 that's what that's where those masks came from so I, I, I highly enjoyed that Definitely a lot of slashers that came out in the late 70s and 80s. You know, you got Prom Night with, again, Jamie Lee Curtis, Terror Train with Jamie Lee Curtis. Let's face it. She is the quintessential scream queen. She is the ultimate scream queen, and we love her. She's the queen of the queens. I love her. She's the ultimate final girl, and we love her. Jamie Lee Curtis, if you're listening to our show, I know you're super famous and you don't know who we are, but we would love to have you on our show. Um, we also love you. We love you so much. <laughs> you are our hero. <laughs> um, Nev Campbell, you are too. So, but she was in a lot of slasher movies and she's the quite essential. She's the queen of the queens. Oh, for sure. At least in like those like early, like late 70s, early, early to mid 80s slashers, like she owned it. She owned the game. She was that final girl. If you saw her in a movie, you knew she was going to make it to the end because you can't kill J.B. Lee Curtis. Right. Also, another very old slasher movie. I do consider Psycho a slasher movie. Yeah, I think a lot of people would. I think it's brilliant. I love the way that they filmed it. I think it's terrifying. Even though it's in black and white, like you just like you see that blood running down and you just. It's creepy the way that they shot it. Some honorable mentions that I would like to bring up if anybody has not seen them, you should. Horror High, Taurus Trap, Chopping Mall, Deadly Friend, Nightbreed, Brain Scan, um, all very, very, very good good movies also american mary love american mary that's a fun one made by the soska sisters i believe i'm saying that correctly i've actually met them at monster mania and they are they are so adorable they (laughs) they dress alike they and they like they're so cute like you can't like imagine like these women like coming up with such terrifying and such gory movies but they do I find that myself included that the the tiniest and the cutest are the ones that you should be more scared of. Oh, for sure. Uh, <laughs> you say as being a tiny cute lady. Yes, that loves horror <laughs> movies and um has, you know, my top 10 favorite death scenes. 
Uh, I would, the newer, there are some newer slasher movies. Happy Death Day. I don't know if you've seen that one, Sam, but it's Happy Death Day and Happy Death Day 2. So good. I think I've seen half of the first one, if I'm being honest. There's, it's so good. It's campy. Mm -hmm. I do remember that. It is definitely that more campy vibe. And I feel like that's one of the things you kind of almost need in most slashers is that level of camp. Yes. Again, to, in my opinion, to kind of break up the really tend to be more gory death scenes. You need that little bit of comedy. You need that little bit of camp sprinkled in throughout to kind of break up the tension of that. Or I feel like they just become like an hour and a half, two and a half hours of just pure dread. Because you're just watching the main character's group slowly get taken away by the killer. And if you don't have something to kind of lighten the mood or make you kind of chuckle in between those, I feel like it's just not watchable. Also, though, I do, like, I know for me, the more I watch, the more gore and horror I can take. It doesn't bother me as much as, say, it did when I was a teenager. Mainly because I know now it's not definitely not real blood it's you know it's all fake but it's you know some of the scenes are pretty horrendous especially in the 80s they got really carried away and saturated this the slasher scene like i said in the beginning it, it they could take a movie and put massacre at the end and make a horror movie out of it and they did repeat uh like a couple of uh ideals with different directors there are so many sorority slashers my favorite though is sorority house massacre i do like the slumber party massacre it's all massacre you know let's just kill all the girls (laughs) let's just you know kill but then they uh, i think there's the slumber party massacre too i it's unwatchable it's 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 terrible you you got my bloody Valentine. That's really good. Some really good death scenes in that. I I think, and I do think a lot of people watch these movies for the death scenes at this point because they the more creative they are, the the happier the fan base is. Yeah, I I definitely agree with you. I think that's really one of the big drawing factors for people to want to watch a slasher, even this day when. The slasher's been around since like the mid-70s and we're still producing them to this day and they're still wildly popular. I mean, a new Halloween movie comes out, people are rushing to go see it in theaters or rushing to stream it at home still. And I think that says a lot for the fact that there is a lot of staying power with slashers because I think at the end of the day, it's kind of like the quintessential like classic horror movie trope. I think it's one of like the first kind of like wildly successful kinds of horror movies, at least on like a commercial level. Because there were definitely horror movies well before the slashers became a thing, but slashers were kind of like those first like big commercial releases and like really big profitable kind of ventures for a lot of um, producers and directors. And I think a formula just works because you get, you know, you get the final girl and I love that kind of trope and just having a final girl because I think that was a great place for kind of women to find their own in a genre where in a lot of times they didn't really get a lot of power or they weren't really the ones that were like the main focus so letting you know having a um you know that final girl trope I really like 
having these strong, smart, witty, independent women be the possibly the only sole survivor in a lot of these movies, I think is really kind of interesting to watch and almost like weirdly inspiring as like a woman, just seeing the fact that, wow, Sydney's the only one to really get through all of these, like completely or mostly unscathed. Granted, she gets stabbed a lot and hurt a lot, but you know, she makes it, she makes it. And I think in a weird way, it's kind of inspiring because it kind of in a roundabout way, in an indirect way, kind of was like, look, if they can get through these horrible things and kill off a serial killer and survive a serial killer, you can get through your day and you're going to be okay. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's not so much that the strength, like the physical strength of the final girl, it's it's how smart she is. And I, and I think that there are a lot of, you know, for a long time, women aren't seen as, you know, you know, physically strong, but I often forget how smart and mentally strong we are. And let's face it, ladies, uh, I don't know personally, but many women who give birth, you're my hero because that that's no joke. Okay. If you can, if you can pass a baby through your body, you're, you're pretty strong. Um, and don't let anybody tell you any, any otherwise. I would say like, there's now a community for people who like us who love these movies. I don't think uh, it was as embraced before. It was just like, oh, you're weird. You're watching all these horror movies. Um, same if if you know you're a nerd or you're a geek. You like you like D and D. That's now a part of our culture, and it's you know okay to be playing D&D and having fun with your friends and watching horror movies. Like there's communities out there um, that that support um, these things that say in high school, you know, people are like, well, the person's weird. You know, they're, you know, sitting there playing D&D or they're, you know, all they do is watch horror movies. So it's definitely much more accepted in our culture today to be to be a, a little bit different um, to be a little weird. Uh, and I, I love that, uh, our peoples are being embraced. Oh, exactly. We're letting our freak flags fly and it's great. Letting our freak flags fly. (laughs) And I love it because, you know, there really wasn't, I would say the only type of group that there was, was uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show groups, uh, where you could, you could be that weird kid and they just, you know, brought you in to be weird with them, you know, and that that's always been around um, since the 70s, that that particular group, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, that still has some staying power. But now every, you know, everything else, uh, you know, our, our metal based fans, our horror based fans, we we have a community and it's amazing. Next time they have a, a monster mania, I'd like for you to come down to the New Jersey area and we'll go. It's it's fun. And if there's one up in New York, I'll come there too. I think there's one that's pretty big in Syracuse. I don't know if they're doing it this year or if they've already done it. Because I think they usually do it in like the fall. I mean, that's usually when a lot of horror cons are the fall because it's spooky season. But I think there's a pretty big one in Syracuse that they do every year. 
they usually get some kind of big names. Like I know um, Bruce Campbell's gone to that one a few times. I'm actually really sad. Um, the Syracuse Drive-In like movie theater is really big. Like they have like very big drive-in theater out that way. And I, w- I wanted to go, but I ended up not going because of COVID. But they did. It was like, I think, a double feature um, back to back of, I think, one or two of two or three of the Evil Dead movies. Like it might have been all three or it might have been just like one and two or two and then Army of Darkness. I can't remember. But they also had Bruce Campbell there and he was like doing picture signings and taking photos. And he had like a whole section where he was going to like talk to everybody before and in between the movies and i really wanted to go but again covid messed it up one of my big dreams speaking of the conventions is you know i perhaps you know we do this because we just we enjoy each other's company and you know we love to talk about this stuff and we're thinking well we're talking about it might as well put it out there um but i would love love to be a part of uh the conventions and um uh meet and greet people not only you know meet uh perhaps fans of our shows but fans of the movies and um you know meet the actors and the actresses you know that would that to me would be so much fun to uh have our own little table the maidens of metal and mayhem mo ma'am mo ma'am that's (laughs) (laughs) Ma'am, <laughs> <laughs> um, and have our own little table. I think that would be so much fun, and uh, have people, you know, talk to us about what they think, uh, you know, about these movies and music. That would be cool. Maybe one day. Maybe one day, when COVID's not a thing, <laughs> or less of a thing. Hopefully, one day. Yeah, you know, I I love doing this because. Um, it's how you and I spend our time together and Oh, exactly. You know, it's it's for the love of of what we like. I love doing these episodes with you. I can't wait for more. Oh, exactly. It's always fun to just be able to sit down and just kind of chat about some of our favorite like shows and music genres and bands and all of that. Even if, even if our opinions are different because that's, you know, that's what I love too is because we do have different opinions on different things. You know, I, but we do both really love the slasher genre. Oh, yeah. They're, I do have to say, um, do you watch American Horror Story at all? Oh, yes. So ha- you obviously have seen 1984 then, right? Yes. It's probably one of my favorite seasons. Same. I think out of the later seasons, I think that one is just like a little gem because it was such a good, I think, well put together season. For a number of reasons. Primarily for me, I think it had less of those like subplot plot lines and it was mainly large plot. And I think it did such an interesting way of kind of giving you the like who's the killer slasher like tropes and kind of playing with that and playing with like the final girls thing. And I overall, I really love that season and I love that season's take on like the slasher and like sleepaway camp genre. Yeah, I loved I that's probably one of my favorites and I also love what they did with the theme song. It wasn't the, you know, that typical creepy noise that they do with the other ones. They 80s it up big time and I I was I was all about it. All about it. I it, it I like I love what they did with that. I um 
I did. The only thing is that they always beautify Richard Ramirez. That was the part I did not like because in real life he was not a pretty person. He is not attractive. Not at all. He notoriously just was rancid smelling and would not bathe. No, they and no matter what you watch, they always beautify Richard Ramirez. So I'm like, he was he was fugly and gross. Yeah. And I will say, I think that's a general problem, but I think specifically American Horror Story loves to pretty up historical killers, for sure. Yes. I, I'm, and they do, well, the only one that they did not beautify was um, uh, that female Surrey killer. Oh, yeah. Um... Eileen uh, Wernos. Eileen Wernos. Um, they did not beautify her. She was quite ugly. And that honestly, like Lily Rab's interpretation of her was, from what I've seen, very good. It was a very spot on. But so they did not beautify her, but they beautified the men for some reason. Yeah. And I, I don't know why, but I digress. I, I just wish they would, you know, if the killer is ugly, make them ugly. Oh, exactly. And my personal opinion when it comes to any movie or show that kind of talks about real life serial killers like people that existed flesh and blood that are that were people and existed in this world i really don't think it's a good idea to try to beautify them you know whitewash what they did or try to make them overly empathetic it's one thing to you know armchair psychologist and understand why they might have done what why they might have done what they've done but it doesn't take back what they did and it shouldn't be excusable if that makes sense no and it it shouldn't be beautified you know i i do know that richard ramirez did have a fan club and his fan club is even bigger now because of american horror story making him a handsome guy (laughs) it's just no 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 it's the same with the, the fangirls for, like, Ted Bundy or... Um, Charles Manson. Charles Manson. It's like, why? These are bad people. They did horrible things. They ruined countless lives. And, like, I get it being interested in true crime and wanting to, you know, learn about it and kind of, again, like, armchair psycholo- psychologist think about it. But There's a difference between doing that and being interested and then trying to idolize the people that were directly involved in cause these horrible, horrible crimes. It is off topic from slashers, but it's not because these are real life slashers. I think this is and this is my opinion. I think the reason why these men have fan clubs and they have women that are willing to marry them. I think that these women have no self-esteem and the the guy's not going anywhere. He's not going to cheat on on her. He's not going I mean, he's he's there stuck in prison. So that woman has control of that man. And I I wonder if there's that level of psychology that that's the reason why is so that they can have control. Who knows? I don't know. But it's a thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely also the the trope of, you know, it's the white women that are true crime fans 
that are like hyper obsessive over these things to the point where they're causing issues for like ongoing investigations that just it makes me sad because like I I mean I listen to my fair share of true crime podcasts and I'm interested in true crime myself but I don't ever try to look at it as like let me try to humanize this killer no like that I always think that's like a step way too far exactly like there's one thing to be interested and then there's another thing to try to idolize someone or try to humanize them or anything like that or I don't know it just it always makes my skin crawl when I hear people in like the true crime community specifically or even the horror community in general trying to like over humanize actual real killers right and the thing about slasher killers is that it's a movie. It's it's not it's not real and a lot of a lot of these killers are not handsome. They, you know, <laughs> there there is no um beautifying of the of these slasher killers. Um and, you know, I'm definitely a, a fan of true crime. I do watch a lot, but I don't sit there and go, "Oh, he's so handsome." Mm-hmm. Like no, don't get it. I don't either. But yeah, uh, you know, going back to the slashers, just a, 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 such a wonderful, wonderful genre of the horror. It's definitely my favorite. Yeah, and I think it's a it's one of the backbones of horror in general. Like I feel like it's like that classic horror movie. If you're looking for something that just kind of gives you like the you know the kills that you're looking for and the thrills it's you gotta go with a good slasher kills and thrills yes (laughs) that's what i that's what i like (laughs) and i would like to see them do uh more um you know like they did uh freddy versus jason oh yeah i think those are the ultimate camp and i love them (laughs) and like what's who whose side would you be on i was definitely on um Jason Voorhees side for Freddy versus Jason. Okay. I see that. Because, okay, so neither one of them are innocent. They're both killers. However, Jason had a reason for why he was. And Freddy Krueger just was a child murderer. There's there's no reason. Yeah. It's a child murderer and a predator. Yeah. So I, I chose uh, Jason Voorhees. Absolutely. Hands down. Uh, now I would love to see like Michael Myers versus Jason Voorhees. Whose side would you be on? Oh, I don't know. Who could who could kill who? Oh, I think it would end up with them killing each other. Personally, would they kill each other and then come back to life, and then kill each other again, and then come back to life? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> just an endless cycle. Just an endless cycle of them killing each other and then coming back, like popping out of the ground. It also depends on who's who's if they're supernatural or not like it is it which timeline yeah exactly so like if jason voorhees is supernatural and michael myers is not then jason voorhees is gonna win it right oh definitely i will say we are running out of time yeah it's our time is up uh, again thank you for listening to our show if you have any horror movies slashers that you would like for um us to see that we did not bring up please do i'm at me in particular i'm always interested in something that i have not seen oh yeah you know feel free to follow us on all of our socials we'll have them linked in the show notes for you 
As always, thanks and stay spooky. Um.